G'day, Swellians. Deadly here. Just wanted to give you the heads up that me and Smithy are coming down to Sydney for our only True Grit New South Wales show this Friday night at Avalon RSL. If you want to come, there's tickets at theswellians.com. Has a Bryant and more guests to be announced in the coming days. Stay tuned. But the True Grit Tour, Avalon RSL, 7pm this Friday. Also, if you really want to soak in some ridiculous surf nonsense, we've also got a premiere screening of the greatest surf movie in the universe, the movie that I made with my good pal, Nick Pollett. That's going to be at the Orpheum, the uh, the grand old theatre up in Cremorne on the uh, north side. Bourgeois bra for sure. But we're going to have the entire cinema packed out with absolute lunatics go to garage.com if you want to get a ticket that's going to be on monday the 22nd so this coming monday the 22nd 7 p.m hayden orpheum garage for tickets come on down it's our only sydney show of the greatest surf movie in the universe hopefully see you there this episode of ain't that swell is brought to you by billabong the core lords a premium surf cron and if you need it, they've got it this winter. Surf clobber, accessories, and the Graphene Tech bong rubber to give you the increased warmth, flexibility, and durability when you're dragging that corn like a stampede of Roman chariots, dragging the bodies of dead gladiators through the Colosseum on game day. Up the bong. Ain't that swell? True Grit Tour, Avalon, this Friday. See you there. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say, and the ASP are going to find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the whoop, drop down, say, bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did travel some humongous waves. Oh, that looks good, Ivan. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Yeah, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece Award winner. Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro dosing. Simili! I'm joined here as always by my loyal co host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Tracks magazine. And Waves Magazine, Vaughn Rinsed Corn Deadly. Hey. Good to be back in the shed, Smithy. And uh, good news, mate. Just got back from having me anus fingered. Uh, and I have no skin cells, no skin cancers. Mm. So, uh, yeah, they did the real good job. Went deep, my mm. friend. So, all that perineum bleaching, uh, you got off scot free yet again? Scot free, eh? mate. Uh, I thought I was going to go. I thought I'd actually just come out burnt, you know, like a, looking like a little. Pockmarked fucking yeah, little, roast, little roast calamari, little overcooked yeah. calamari on the barbie. But in all seriousness, mate, I, I actually was. Um, I got to give a shout out to Jamie Mitchell. I was on his um, 
Instagram the other day. The Kingpin Core Lord from Coffs Harbour. Coffs Harbour Core Lord who sends it on the mighty peaks of Nazareth and uh, other European Alps, ocean mm. Alps. Mm. But uh, he had the most skits fucking skin cancer cut out of his back, man. Like, it was hectic. And I just went, instantly my brain went, I haven't been checked for at least 10 years. Mm. Yeah, and that thing on Mitchell's back, I mean, it was dead set the map of Australia on his back. It was just, heavy. They eh? just scalpeled out oh. like, the whole the whole shebang. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, if you're stuck on this here sunburnt uh, island or continent, girt by sea though it may be, Vaughn, mm. mate, we're not really built for this climate. We're all Northern Europeans, and I don't know if you've seen uh, the natives, or the uh, indigenous folk, but uh, they're pitch black. Yeah, mate. And we're yep. basically living in South Sudan here, a bunch of white folk just kicking around, putting coconut oil on ourselves and oh, going mate. surfing. Deep fried. You can see why mm. we went the way we went in the 80s diet-wise. We were just mimicking what we were doing to ourselves on the beaches. But... Uh, yeah, mate, that, that Micho caption freaked me out. I was like, he was like, I, you know, I hadn't been checked for a while. I went and got checked. Next thing, they're just hacking his back to pieces mm. with a fucking garden hoe. Just, <laughs> and um, so I, I just checked straight in, man. Took no time. Just rang up. Uh, you can check out the local skin clinic wherever you are. You go in, you get down to your undies, which is always good. Mm. Um, yep, they just uh, lube up their finger, stick it straight in your date, give it a little sniff. Mm. You're all good. Yeah, but, uh, right. yeah, oh, and, and, and then, they, and then they comes the skin. Yeah, they, like, then comes the skin cancer check. I mean, yeah. it's funny because when I went and got my skin done, uh, there was no uh, anal. There wasn't. Uh, no. Nah. So uh, I don't know. Jeez, uh, oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, oh, I wonder what's going on there. Hmm. It's a bit odd, but. Anyway, look, it, it wasn't completely unenjoyable. We'll but, get to uh, the bottom of this, Vaughn. Don't the worry. good news is, Smithy, uh, the the two areas like. Aside from just the uh, the life spent surfing and hanging in the ocean, like when you're driving, like do you ever put sun cream on your hands? Because they're just fucking getting completely incinerated every single day, just out, you know, on on your steering wheel. Mm. So that was an area of concern. I also had a bit of a lip, a lip sort of thing that dry spot that wasn't Ooh. really frothing me out, and uh, got in there, mate. Got the all clear. I'm so frothing. Thanks, Jamie Mitchell. Yet again, you've proven yourself to be an Australian. Heroes, saving lives without even knowing it, mate. Feed your face in finger buns. Speaking of Australian heroes, Vaughn, the crowdfund for the Pauline Mensah statue at Bondi looks to have council approval if she can just raise the money. So pile on, Swillians, pile on with your, with your NFTs, your your crypto coins, your, your, even your, your, your like proper real plastic paper federally reserve mm. bank printed coins yeah, yeah i don't want the goodwill of pauline's uh world title winnings to dissipate just yet smithy you know everyone put their hands in their pockets when uh, it, it turned out that she never received any prize money for winning the world title in mm. 1993 the they Bondi dug deep the swellians didn't they, they dug deep they they chucked in all the coin right they got a mural and and pauline took her prize money and of course there was way too much money. So she just handed a lot of it off to charity. I think she's got a tiny bit left, which is going to go towards this statue, which Waverley Council, mate. I mean, you know Waverley Council, Smithy. Oh, you, do I? You, you and Waverley Council go way back. Oh, mate. The amount of coin I've dropped on those parasites yeah, over the exactly. years. Are you kidding just, me? Just parking around Bondi. Holy wow. shit, the fines. But uh, it looks like they've agreed. But uh, in typical 
Eastern suburb style. They're not putting their hands in their pockets no. for no cunt, mate. <laughs> not even the uh, the great, you know, local fucking icon. So it's up to Pauline. Um, apparently she got in touch with uh, this. I bumped into her at Nudge Nudge Wink Wink, the great uh, all-in doof fest at Billy Nudge Pub just last weekend. Epic. Saw her and her partner Sam and, uh, you know, they are the Swillian Queens. And, um, yeah, she was telling me that the Waverley Council have approved it. She's got to get it funded. And so uh, there's a crowd funder starting. We'll whack it uh, somewhere in our notes. Get in behind, Swillians. I've seen the statue, Smivy. You know, most statues are just rank style. They're sort of like a, a, a person on a board, no wave. Pauline has called in the big guns, mate. She is doing a full hark under the lip. Full style, like classic, everything she was famous for. You know, bring in that beautiful Karen-esque, just searing rail game to the to the fore. Um, Who was so, commissioned? Who was it? A, a Rick Griffin? A, a Ben Brown? A, a McNeil? A we'll find out. Because it, it is a friend of hers or someone that, you know, was a friend of a friend. But, geez, they've done a good job, mate. It will not look out of place amongst the seared German pink-skinned backpackers and pommy vomiters along the course over there at Bondi. It's going to be a, a wonderful masterpiece, a true legacy to uh, stand alongside. I believe the Weathers, the Weathers, Will, Johnny, uh, Benny, Dan, Dan, Monty. Greg. Uh, they've, they've got a, a, a grandparent statue. One that of right? their uh, lifesavers down there on Bondi as well. So get Pauline in there, Swellians. Get him behind the crown funder. We'll find out what it's called and let you know. Yeah, it's about time. I mean, what have these toxic, cis, white, privileged males been doing in City Hall all this time? It's a disgrace. Uh, I mean, get your snouts out of the trough. Get your noses out of the Bolivian bourgeois ethwash and get our Pauline immortalised up in bronze. Yeah, as you mentioned, Vaughn, she's up in paint on the promenade, and yes, well played. But yeah, it's what, a not fucking, enough. what a token! Yeah, you know? I mean, like, oh, you want a statue here? We'll, we'll do some graffiti on the wall. I mean, mate, there's fucking dicks drawn over half those well, walls. Exactly. In oh, you know, I want something that some houseo hoodlum with a texter can't deface. <laughs> I want something that only bird shit can deface, Vaughn. I want Pauline standing proud in one of her victorious mm. stances. Uh, you know, victorious over crippling arthritis. Victorious over an impoverished single parent upbringing. Victorious over the toxic white male patriarchal order. Victorious over the world in 1993. Mm. Vaughn, the world champ. Uh, any or, or all of the above will suffice. Uh, yeah, so all of it just captured in one proud statue, soon to be dripping in bird shit. Uh, it'll be great. Yeah. And uh, I, I just thought as well, you know, why stop there? Uh, you know, why not a Phyllis O'Donnell statue? Thank you. In her immortal pose. I will tell you this, Spivy. Bruce Raymond is actually uh, the former Quicksilver exec, former pro surfer, sunset legend. Scum Valley's finest himself. He's Bruce a Scum Raymond. Valley boy too. Oh, I did not know that. Gosh, I've got to check myself before I wreck myself down there at, at Bondi. But um, so Brucey Raymond has been for a long time campaigning for a midget statue. And uh, Manly. Ooh, oh, right. I'm glad you clarified yeah, that because, jeez, uh, that, that's politically incorrect and it's well, severe, but you, you mean Midget <laughs> O'Farrelly, yes. It's just a, a random midget statue on the promenade at Manly. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, that's not going to go down statue. well with the woke brigade. Oh, that's so good. Uh, so he's been campaigning for a long time, but have we not got enough white fella statues littered around this country? And uh, part of the big push for Pauline to get her own statue is that 
an organisation that is trying to even the ledger for women's statues around the country, oh. and I believe Indigenous statues around the country mm. as well, got hold of her story and they started pushing for it. So I believe a midget statue is a great idea, so long as there's a filler statue going right next to it, if not even, uh, you know, on the podium above it. Because as we all know, Phyllis O'Donnell won the first world title final that day. Midget won the second. So Phyllis well said. is and, uh, officially the first ever Australian world champ. And uh, we would do well to remember that when we're erecting statues around, around the place, Smivy. That's right. And you talk about uh, Pauline being immortalised in her current-esque frontside slashing, carving pose under the lip, head snapping the works. And I, I wonder, you know, what would Phyllis O'Donnell's statue look like? You could only think that throwing that misogynist drop-in cunt on the rocks, as mm. she famously did, mm. uh, would be the perfect oh, way to I just I love that. So instead of doing a, uh, a surf pose, you just have her just absolutely arm-barring some fucking chauvinist, piggy little fucking old-school dropkick. Just full-blown knee in the cags and... Just choking him out till he's one, two, three and lying on the ground beneath her. Exactly. I mean, uh, legend has it. She just grabbed him by his long john and whiplashed him straight on the rocks. Oh, I love it. I mean, South State, it's 50 (laughs) metres away, but didn't bother Phyllis O'Donnell, the he woman, she woman. Oh, shit, what am I saying? Mm. Uh, But, yeah, you know, she's got that kind of strength and... uh, Egg jam, caviar, you name it. Love she it. has it. Love it. And she just grabbed that pig by his uh, long john straps and just hoiked him straight onto the rocks. Perfect. Uh, immortalised in bronze. I think we could uh, we could get behind that as well. So. But why stop there? Why, what, what, about, uh, what about Jodie Cooper? Oh. A, a backdoor, you know, immortalised with the, the chin out gesture to a cowering Johnny Boy Games and go on, <laughs> put it on me chin, you dog. Hey. Hey. That kind of stuff. Dog. Oh, sorry. Or, or Atlantic's head, uh, just emerging out of the ocean, uh, you know, towering over tiny little carcass and mm. his blow-up mat like a, a furious seacock, uh, like some balmy oh. sea queen that's yes. come out of the depths with all her fury. Just obnoxious spray everywhere. Uh, Steph Gilmore, of course, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the goat. Uh, it's Snapper, potentially uh, in one of her many world title-winning poses, or... Uh, the the real making of her, uh, dare I say it, uh, uh, you know, uh, out the front of her unit block, defending a blow with her forearm by that steel bar wielding tweed ice head hobo, mm. while holding a WSL World tri- Trophy in uh, her other hand, you know, just grit writ large oh, on her mate. face, Vaughn. I love this, Smitty. It's, it's so cool and gutter. Nothing says cool and gutter more than just getting attacked with a steel bar outside your unit. That's like some ice-fried hobo. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, uh, she overcome that and, and won another five world titles or something after that. So The queen. Plenty to choose from. Uh, let's see. Let, let's what see about, the ledger uh, even. What up. about this? Uh, you know the, uh, like, I love this. The, the, let's immortalise these icons in bronze in their most famous moments, their grittiest moments. But what about if we do a few fibreglass like uh, like the wave at tubes with the surfboard on it. Mm, I love that. Like a second tier of, of uh, statues and, yeah. and tributes. For example, uh, let's say Snapper Rocks Car Park, you've got a, a fiberglass tube and you've got Dino Morrison on the outside looking mm. over his shoulder at you laughing while on the empty surfboard you can get a photo getting burnt by the fucking former Snapper Rocks champion. Oh, art imitates life yet again, Vaughn. Art imitates life. Experience it. I'll crowdfund a couple of coins for that. (laughs) 
You can have a few cryptocurrencies for that one. That's, oh, a, that's a great idea. Yeah. I and, mean, and the list goes on from there. Uh, geez, uh, potentially Hero, Shane Herring, uh, you know, overlooking his uh, famed DY point there, the mm. home of many an iconic shot from the 90s, uh, you know, long neck and brown paper bag mm. in hand, directing traffic, something like that. Yeah. Uh, mm. Oh, geez. The, the list goes on, it really. Uh, iconic surfers in iconic poses. Um, yeah, you know, take your pick. But yeah, uh, we, could, we could have all these different tiers from, from immortalised in bronze, the, the footing into the footpath, there forever, right down through the, uh, the fibreglass moulds, right down to the cardboard cutouts. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, sad news for the oh, Australians, Vaughn. The oh, dear, uh, Aussie Smitty. men were absolutely crushed on their home court at Snapper during the Challenger Series event there. Uh, not in the women's, though. Big win for India Robbo. She's back. Come on, back Robbo. With a meat hack. Back in a big way. And Semi Pupo bouncing back from getting cut with a first start victory at the Chengers. Following uh, your theory, Smivy, of uh, you know coming off the cut and just... Using it to fuel yourself rather than, uh, you know, melting into a, a little puddle. Yes, a little uh, puddle of milk chocolate. But no, we know the Brazilians pack some deep, dark cow from the uh, jungles mm-hmm. of the Amazon. And Sammy, just another chip off the old block. He'll be back. You'd expect him to surf a thousand and one heats between now and the Halle Eva event and just come straight back on the tour. Mm. Rip roaring. He could and go back go. to back the way he was surfing. Jeez, he was surfing good. But Smivy... It's concerning, mate. It's concerning. Two Aussies in the top 16 of the men's. I mean, that's that's home court advantage just out the fucking window, bruh. And um, Mikey McDonough and Chippo Wilcox. Chippo made the quarters, so flying a, a lone, I wouldn't say a flag, maybe one of those meat pie flags with a little Australia on it. You know, did his best and uh, proud of him. It was good, good to see Chippo get a good start of the year, but... What is going on, mate? I mean, uh, especially after last year, uh, you know, both Australian men, Sheldon Simkis, uh, Callum Robson, obviously winning the event, Sheldon Simkis in runner-up. But the, do you think that the hometown advantage is actually a disadvantage in this in this era of like, you know, grinding it out together? The togetherness just seemed to be a little bit lacking on the men's side. You know, like we're, we're used to seeing the Challenger series, the Changers crew, the uh, Irikunjai get together and really send it. Um, you know, and in the past it's worked, just like it worked for Brazilian Storm and just like it worked for the two percenters, Kaloe and Dino's uh, mongrel pack of Santa Clemente charges. Like, they Ooh. fucking used it, man. The first time in their lives where they've probably all been about, uh, you know, something other than just their sponsors and themselves. Mm. And, geez, they, they felt the energy. They rent really well. So... I don't know. I'm hoping... I know that Narrabeen's kicking off maybe today or tomorrow, but I'm hoping that all the Aussie men packed into a wicked van with Garfield's asshole painted on the back window just got down and dirty and back in, back into the sort of feel of being a grimy Q competitor together. And hopefully that sort of uh, closeness, Smithy, can, can reignite mm. that sense of camaraderie, that sense of team, that sense of getting it done for the country, and for something bigger than your fucking self. The Anzac spirit, dare I say it, Vaughn. You've got to find the grind, mate. You've got to find the grit. You can't find the grit when you're sleeping in your own bed and you're driving your own 4B up to snapper. Sorry, mate. It's just not uh, going to happen. Well said. Not enough grit. And uh, interesting to note, Jao Chianka, the world number one, making the trip all the way to, to, to snapper just to support 
Sammy, really, yeah. and uh, a couple other Brazilians in the draw, and they made the point, uh, I believe it was Miguel actually on the broadcast talking from home, was saying that, you know, that's what they did for him last year uh, mm. when he got cut. You know, that's the, the, like, and the Brazilians, they don't talk about this all that often. It, it doesn't get like any media hype, but they're there for each other in ways that it's not a bung on. It, it, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be manufactured or asked for by media pundits and, and the, the Brazilian surf community at large. They're just there. They're 100% there for each mm. other. Interesting too, uh, as well, you noted, Vaughn. I think, hang on, I just wanted to say, maybe just in regards to the women's side of the tour, because they went off, mate. They had 10 of the top 16. So something really, really positive to take away from that Changers at Snapper. Um, I thought that, uh, that's counting Sarah Baum, which I do, because she serves for East, Enders board ride, East End board riders at, uh, you know, the Northern Newcastle there, fucking core club, core little community. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe the, the, the girls could actually be driving that wicked van down. You know, all squeeze in together, put some Venga bus on, mm. get the tunes going, get Shimmy Disco, you know, drop them some good beats. Just bring back that energy. Mm. Well, I feel like the, the women should, by rights, having performed that well, be the ones with their legs up, feet up, just cruising. Yeah. Drinking a couple of Mai Tais, pina coladas, white Russians, you name it. Yeah. Uh, you know, rolling up a few three papers while, uh, you know, Chippo and the boys are doing the 16-hour-y the red-eye driving, <laughs> you know, just uh, getting yelled at. Hey, put some Vanker boys on. It's, it's not a what bad, is it? <laughs> it's not a bad uh, theory to have some sort of incentive scale where, you know, if you do really well, feed up. If you do poorly, you're driving the bus, you're waxing the boards, you're packing and repacking and taking the fins out and on. And it goes for everyone in the whole team, but they've all got to be in one wicked van. That's my theory. Yeah, that's right. I like it. And, uh, you know, or humans, a juicy van, juicy van, juicy van all pass. And, uh, you know, humans are famously an incentive based species. Mm. If there is no incentive. We can barely uh, get ourselves out of bed to wash ourselves with a rag on a stick, as Jamie Mitchell would well know growing up mm. in Coffs Harbour. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Vaughn, the two percenters, uh, as you mentioned, were on an absolute tear. Made both semi-finals uh, with Chloe Andino whipping him home, and and uh, in, in the women's final they had Sawyer Lindblad, the big blad, the big bladder, mm-hmm. Lindbladder. Uh, and I just thought watching the the broadcast, is this Chloe's Vince Lombardi moment? Is he the next great super coach? You know, channeling his years of underachievement and overpayment into something that finally has the the whiff of credibility. In professional sport, you know, and uh, and respect, even respect, maybe too far. Let's stay with credibility for the moment. But he certainly carries himself like uh, one of those great American sporting coaches, you know, riding every play or cutback in instance, spraying water on his athletes as they do the run around. You know, how long until we see the NFL style headset with? Chloe calling audibles or a, some kind of convoluted finger signaling repertoire a la baseball, the, the two and the one and the, the three and the, the four and the, the fist and the, the fist on the hand and the the works. I mean, we, we know he's a Dodgers fan. He's a big-time Dodgers fan. Or, or maybe he'll, he'll dip into uh, Ricardo Toledo's bag of tricks and trips and uh, hone a, a kind of 17-tone whistling system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the Americans like to take it that that next level, but I really think he's found his raison d'etre after eleven years on world tour. You know, surfing's 
bold American super coach. It really looks to have found his place. Uh, and, you know, forget about surfing the Olympics, Fawn. I mean, uh, he can't get through a heat on the Changers at the moment. So uh, <laughs> it's a bit, bit pie in the sky if uh, we're to be brutally honest. Uh, mm. But just get him in the, the red, white, and blue Gore-Tex of the great American super coaches of your Lombardi, Madden, Jackson, Customato, mm. and Dino. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I felt like, uh, well, you and I both, you know, had him on the show the other night, which was uh, fantastic. Ain't that swell on uh, at Cooley? Jeezy was on fire. Verbose, wasn't he? He was very, yeah. I mean, it was hard like to shut him up. Stiltsky. Hard to shut him up, really. I, I wasn't expecting that. I thought he might uh, be a little more reserved, but he was just fucking flapping his gums like dead set. You know, a gummy shark on a fucking six-year-old's leg. But um, I'll tell you what I took away from uh, uh, Chloe's first foray into this 2% world on the Changers, and that was that for a guy who spent his entire life getting paid millions and millions of dollars to focus purely on his own self and his performance and his results. Like, were those things, was that uh, process, was that purpose ever actually his own? Like, did he ever dream uh, as a young boy that was just completely unfiltered through anyone else's lens to be the fucking greatest surfer who ever lived? Do you know what I mean? Or was that thrust upon him? Mm. And... I just got the sense when we were chatting with him the other night, mate, that he just, he's kind of been looking for something other than just, you know, needing to fulfill everyone else's promise. Did you get that sense? I mean, it's a great point because at the end of the day, being a champion athlete, a champion surfer, it has to come from within. It can't be external motivations no. and external pressure. And you look at all the greats, they did not have... The uh, you know, this the silver lining, the the yellow brick road that the Chloe had. No. John John Medina, Fanning, uh, you know, all these guys, you know, Gilmore, Beachley, as we've mentioned, Medina, they all come from poverty or trauma, and it's this burning desire within them to, to crush and kill their mm. opponents that gets to the top. And that is something that Chloe does not have and never did because he simply had it too easy growing and, and up. That, oh, and, and, and you can be a great talent. And and you can and you be, can you can get to the top. I mean, you can get but close how, to the top. You'll never beat this. How telling that was guy. this, though, Smithy? You'll remember this moment. He, he said that the worst moment of his career, the the most unhappy he ever was, was when he was number one in the world on the rankings that year. He finished second to uh, um, Italo at D Bar, and then he went to Bell's, got a result, and I think he had a good start to the year, and he was number one for a while. And he said during that interview that that was the most unhappy he ever was, and you know why? Because it wasn't his dream, I don't think. I think the pressure of fucking just trying not to let anyone down was what crushed him in the end and made him just made the whole experience joyless. And you can't win in that headspace. No way. So what I loved about this uh, new Kolohe, the, the Vince Lombardi version, um, Speco fucking top 10 Gore-Tex US super coach, is that he's fully tapping into the energy you get from giving to other people. And it's probably, I would say, the first time in his life that he's been able to use everything that he's learned, you know, the good, the bad, the fucking, you know, you don't lose 100,000 heats over 11 years without finding some method to teach people how to go about their business. You know what I mean? 
And uh, I feel like that's kind of a, a similar story with a lot of the great super coaches. Mm. They're guys who actually understand defeat really well. And so they can help manage people who have high expectations of themselves or get head noise when they're fucking doing well. Or even better, get head noise when they're fucking eating shit and their confidence goes out the window. So yeah. he is better, he's be, like in a better position and more well-versed in being able to help these kids. And how's the energy? Like him running up the beach when, <clears throat> you know, Jet Shilling and those crew were running up, patting them on the ass and fucking getting in their face. I was going, man, this passion is unseen from this guy. And I think he'll grow and I reckon he could in all seriousness, go on to be one of the fucking great coaches if that's if that's where he wants to go with his future. Mm, yeah, it's a great point. There does seem to be that clear and, and marked difference between the you know your Mick Fannings, your Parkos, uh, and then your, your Micros, uh, your Tommy Wits. And, you know, it's like, why doesn't Mick or, or Joel get into coaching and, and why is Tommy Wits or, or Micro so successful at coaching? And mm. I think it really boils down to, uh, you know, Mick and Joel don't have to coach because they won enough heats uh, to pay their bills for eternity. And <laughs> Micro and Tommy Wits, like, let's do it their nose to the grindstone. They've got mortgages to pay off. they got kids to raise. It's, it all comes hey, down to grit. Like, fourth it round finishes. It's, the, it's your favourite four-letter word. Not dick, not cunt, not cock. Not jizz, not fun. Not fart. joke, not woke. Grit! And, um, mate, look at the super coaches. Glenn Micro Hall, Tommy Whitaker, like Andy King, the, the three great Australian coaches. And there's plenty uh, in every level of Australian surfing right now. And the one thing that, that the really good guys have in common, and, girl, and women, is fucking... They've been through the ringer. Like, they know how hard it is to work and they know exactly what you've got to do because they've experienced it. Oh, they to know. pull themselves through really good times and understand how to keep that momentum when it when it's happening for you. Absolutely, mate. It's they a, know how hard journey. it is to work because they're still fucking working. Not Fanny, though. Fanny's <laughs> <laughs> got he's his feet a boat up. trip in the mints, mate. Feet up. Mohawk shaved in. And uh, having a hell time, but well earned. No one put in the work like... Fanning, mate. No way. Don't you worry about that to me. Number three. The WCL have taken Smith and Deadly's <laughs> advice and added a shocking Vaughn. A shocking twist. A shocking twist to the goat pool. The event will run at night. <laughs> ah, genius. <laughs> An absolute stroke of genius from uh, the Wazula. I mean, we we dared question their daring dude, didn't we, Vaughn? We did. uh, we looked at the goat pool and, and we said three foot tubes plus a couple of turns and maybe an alley-oop off the end. Not for us. And then presto, he does it again, ELO. Or was it Miley Dyer or even Proden surfing the pool at night? Bravo! This is a must-see now, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Unmissable. And, uh, Have I've you cancelled s- your trip to India? Well, you, not you- exactly, but I did hack into the swelling account and drop 10 Gs on Elon Musk's Starlink satellite so I can catch it. <laughs> From a tea house high in the Himalayas, uh, they're installing it right now. It's cost ten good men so far, but look, you know the project should be completed, and mm-hmm. that's still two hundred and ninety less lives than it cost Bruce Raymond to get footage out of G Land at the Quick Pro back in ninety five. So we're still in the red. Nice. I just, uh, I'm just, I'm just so thrilled, Smithy, that you know we have such a, a flexible reactionary organisation that can hear a little bit of constructive criticism and just. Dive bomb onto that red button. Beep, 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 beep. Emergency meeting. Let's get in here. 
The boys at ADAS Well aren't happy. What can we do? How can we mix this wave up? How can we make it more interesting for surf fans worldwide? How can we make the surfers more engaged? How can we push the limits of progressive surfing, flick off the lights and run the cut in the dark? Oh, yeah, just the uh, the chutzpah, the uh, panache, the uh, get-up-and-go of these wazzle overlords. Yeah. Mate, that's why they're on the big box, Vaughn, and we're in a mouldy garage. That's true. Oh, mate, it makes sense. It does make sense. Like, I just want to see them take it to the next level, Smivy. Because you and I, mate, you and I are not scared to venture out in the bush... With the fluoro glow paint, the fucking little glow necklaces, the uh, fire sticks, yes, the Diablos, yep, and just go let it hang out, mate. Just doof, doof, doof that thing. Mm. And I think this is the opportunity the WSL have with the go pull at night. Turn it into a fucking gigantic rave. You're not allowed to surf your heat in a coloured rashy. You've got to have different coloured fluoro glow paint on. Yes. You feeling me? Yes. And we just get, you know, some sort of South American trance fucking DJ slash. Oh, Zed. I know him. Jihad Coda's old manager and, uh, exactly. and, and psychedelic painter. Uh, yeah, Let's yeah. send this thing, brother. Let's send this thing, Smivy. Oh, yeah. Then oh. you've got an event on your hands. Oh, I you mean, you watch the South Americans fucking light that pool up <laughs> if you start dropping a bit of that shit in there. You think they're lighting it up now? Wait till there's a bit of lysergic dropped in and an old-fashioned psytrance doof on the sidelines. Mm. Mate, uh, Medina will be dead set front flipping off that end section yeah. straight onto the D floor and just dropping into a turtle spin. And I also think maybe just uh, if we can get Elon to just lift up the Billy Nudgel pub when Nudge Nudge Wink Wink is on. And just fly it over there. Drop it right there in Lamar. Oh, that'd be great. A few burners there. A uh, couple of burners. A, a, a Cunnilingus tent. I uh, know mm. oh, that's one of the one of the all time. I mean, that was one of Stead's favourite uh, attractions at Burning Man. I mean, mm. I don't think he went in there and got any Cunnilingus, mm. but he, he was uh, bumping into a few crew after it. Spangled from having their uh, caviar just gorged on by eight rotating heads. I mean, <laughs> this is the kind of. Shenanigans we can expect at this uh, This is where it needs to go. Avant-garde surfing event, Vaughn. I mean, well, why stop with one experiment? Why why not just uh, yeah. keep unfurling? Keep, you know, as Timothy Leary very wisely put it, surfers are the throw-aheads of mankind. We are mm. a throw-ahead culture. Let's we keep are. throwing ahead, throwing ahead, keep flicking the lure out, keep flicking the lure. Right, like, you know, just bringing it back in, see what comes back in, and see if we can't just have the biggest... Orgy of high-performance surfing, cunnilingus, rimmers, ketamine, the works! Yeah, yeah. Full props to the Woz for this one, Smithy. They've done it again. All hail the mighty Woz. Number two. Oh, Vaughn, some very awful news here, actually. Uh, nothing to laugh about. A gnarly shark attack on South Australia's west coast <sighs> and another at J-Bay. So, you know, two uh, pretty iconic... Surf zones, uh, the one down on the, in South Oz, just awful. 46-year-old popular Elliston teacher Simon Bacanello was killed. Uh, here's how it went down. The, when the white appeared, Bacanello told the, the terrified kids, don't worry, get yourself to shore. The shark went Simon instead in front of horrified onlookers. And here's what one had to say. Mm. 
it was such a confronting incident. It could have been anyone. The worst part was there was a 13-year-old out there and he witnessed everything. There was a bloke on the beach tooting his horn and as I turned around, I saw everyone paddling in. I saw his board tombstoning, which means he's underwater and his board's getting dragged under, trying to fight his way back up to the surface. He was gone. We saw the shark thrashing around out the back. The sharks obviously let go and come back and got him for a third time. Yeah, no words for that. That's uh, that's awful. And uh, very sorry to anyone who witnessed that or uh, even just the vibe in Elston. I've got a few mates down that way. Yeah, Bordo, Wads, Richo, Jeff. I uh, hope everyone is handling. Mm. And uh, yeah, get on the Wim Hofs, meditate, uh, let the grief pass on through you. Be with the grief. Uh, sit with it. Don't fucking, mm. you know, don't do anything silly. So yeah, uh, awful news. That is really sad and, um, yeah, all I can say is far out, man. You feel so deeply for anyone who is, is directly related to or affected by this incident. And um, There was uh, also a near fatality, as I mentioned, in J-Bay a couple of weeks ago. Just worthy of mentioning, you know, a 50-year-old man was attacked by a suspected great white shark on dusk at Supertubes. And uh, surfers who were already on the beach paddled back out to grab the man and drag him to shore. Uh, An eyewitness reported that fellow surfers who had initially retreated out of the water after being alerted that there had been an incident involving a shark had returned into the surf to fetch the casualty out of the water. Um, The National Sea Rescue Institute's J-Bay commander, Paul Van Jarsveld, said. Uh, So, yeah. Just crazy. I get both. In- the reason it's worth mentioning: both mm. instances witnessed incredible bravery mm. and courage. Uh, you know, obviously Simon uh, Bacanello alerting everyone else to get into shore. It's it's eerily reminiscent of uh, a fatality at Foster, like not that long ago. Mm. Same thing, exactly. Uh, an older bloke saw a, a big Noah scream for everyone to get in and you know, got done himself. And mm. uh, again, uh, a J Bay. Surf has been seriously hurt. Supers as well, man. Like what? Like I've I've sat out there on dusk. I've mm. sat out there with pots and BLs surrounded by the thickest school of mullet. Mm. You can't fathom it. Like, but you just do it because the wave is so good. And uh, mate, just to to you know, it's unthinkable in some ways, but unsurprising in others. And the fact that surfers went out there uh, on dusk to get a surfer back to shore—it's uh, amazing yeah, bravery. It is amazing. Um, it's fuck. It's such a heavy one, isn't it? You just how do you how do you process it, and what can you do about it? They're kind of like questions that are so hard to answer because they're there, they're there, and they're there all the time. And um, oh, it's just what is the answer? Like I, I just don't know. Like it's it's such a tricky one. Like it, it brings up a lot of emotions. It causes huge debates, passionate debates in the in the wash up. It's almost always relatives or victims themselves uh surviving victims who are on the side of the sharks in in most cases like post attack or post incident or post encounter um you know they get to sort of dive into that world and and find out how these creatures operate and it i guess the the ignorance of of sort of just looking at it on face value ends up washing away but in the emotional like aftermath of these things it's so hard to know how to talk about it um, I think you're right. You've, you've got to just sit with your journey with it 
uh, and just try and process it in the best way you can. There's plenty of tools that we talk about on this show a lot that, that can help. But uh, I'm reminded, mate, of a, a story where Kidman, I hope I get this right, but it, it's, it was him and Wayne Lynch. They got down to the beach kind of on dark and they were going to go surf this offshore bommy somewhere in Victoria or somewhere, somewhere like that. And Kidman was nervous. He was like, mate, fuck it. Are there going to be sharks out there, man? And Lynchy just looked at him with this look on his face and went, of course there fucking is. Sharks everywhere, mate. What are you talking about? And just put his wedding on and paddled out. You know, so in a way, it's kind of like that's makes sense, that attitude to me. Like, you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, it's sort yeah. of like that's, that's just how it is. I, I, I don't know. Are you putting yourself, I don't know, man. Like, yes, those bait ball seasons and, uh, you know, putting yourself in the middle of a thick school of, of stinky ocean uh, where they're just blindly coming through and chomping away. And, and like, yeah, that's that seems silly. River mouths at night, all that sort of stuff. But uh, when are they not around? Yeah, and I've done it all. I, I, I've ticked every one of those stupid boxes. And when I think about the shark interactions I've had, mm. there's been little indicators just before it's gone down. I, I, I think of uh, one at a river mouth around here on dark. Uh, I'll never forget this one because... You know, I have these like weird cosmic kind of uh, superstitions, right? So mm. I looked up, the sun was setting, and I, I swear the fucking clouds looked like a giant fin. Mm. And they were orange, which uh, kind of in my mind thinks like w- warning sign. Like, yep. you know, be very careful. And uh, the tide went high, and it's kind of stopped breaking. And then, uh, yeah, it was pretty well dark, and uh, I seen a shark coming at me, and uh, I had a fucking... Ooh, like a 300-meter paddle to shore with mm. no waves breaking. Awful. Uh, I think of during the floods when people said, don't surf, and I went for one sneaky little surf because it was tubing, and it was the only patch of clean water in the flood-ravaged northern rivers. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's a juvenile white that does a fucking triple spinning pike flip mm. out of the water. Um yeah, you know, like generally it's been river mouths or it's been times when I really know that I I I, I shouldn't be surfing and mm. I, I do it anyway. So there you, is like you've got to pay attention, mate. You've got to pay not, attention, man. It's not totally your, your random. body has a sixth sense mm. when it comes to survival. Like it, it's there. Like I, I I totally agree with what you're saying. Like particularly when uh, we used to just go for earlies, you know, out at New Brighton, which is literally in the middle of 30 k's of just long white sand it's always a big shory and a huge gutter and if you want to surf you got to surf out the back and there were days where you would paddle out and you just knew you went nah i'm going in and i I, first shark i ever saw was uh on a kind of overcast storm was chopped up one stormy morning and um you know we were out there me and three mates and we were just like oh nah this feels wrong this feels so wrong like yeah how many mornings do you surf like every morning and yeah you might feel it but you knew and um sure enough turn around and saw this dorsal fin not swimming at me but even more terrifying in a way was it was going perpendicular to me at fucking looked like 30 to 60 k's an hour like spray coming off it and I was like, that thing is motoring. And it was huge, man. And I was like, that, we all knew that that thing was there before we saw it, like half an hour before we saw it, I reckon. Mm. So, yeah, you got you just got to somehow tune into that sense. 
Did you catch that clip of that uh, Hawaiian or Hawaiian Japanese fisherman in the kayak? Yeah. A huge tiger just comes in like off the back fence and just fucking jams his little plastic kayak in the side. Like he's like, I got rammed by a yeah. by a shark, but it, it's not actually ramming him. It's fucking coming in for the the big Big Mac mm. bite. Yeah. And uh freak man, that is some wild footage. The, the way they just decide and jam in and mm. just fucking jam you. Yep. Skits. Yeah, mate. Yep, yep, yep. They they they're, they're hunters. They're fucking the oldest hunters on earth. They know how to fucking get to you if they want you. And that guy, again, fishing, you know, that guy's just, he just reeled in an absolute romper, mm. like a big fucking pelagic. And so there's uh, there's the sense of distress and, uh, you know, there's something in the water that the shark's cottoned onto. Yep. So, again, there's, there's an indicator there. It's not totally random. He's created some stimulation or, or an environmental factor it's led to him nearly getting smoked. The craziest thing I've heard with regards, uh, you know, trying to predict shark mm. attacks was from a uh, like Australian champion uh, spear fisherman and uh, he's a marine biologist from West Oz. I forget his name. I'll dig it up. It's in an old article I wrote. But mm-hmm. he was saying that the worst time to go in the water is before a swell hits. So, like, when the barometer, or, like, before a storm hits. Mm. Um, so, when the barometer starts to drop, uh, or when, when the storm is approaching, there's a, a drop in pressure, and all the big pelagics rush to shore to get a feed before the storm hits hits shore. Did I say store or shore? Anyway. No. They rush to shore yeah. to get a feed, the big pelagics, and the sharks follow them in because the storm's about to blow out their, their eating habitat. So... Yeah, he reckoned that, that he's tracked storms from west the you know west Oz all the way ar- along south Oz, mm. and he was telling me like he's seen interactions and reports popping up the whole way as storms have have moved down. Like just before the storm hits, there's um, bust mm. ups of pelagics and, and and sharks coming in to feed on it. So that's one. Uh, and down there in South Oz, uh, I remember one of the the full core lord. Icons down there, a tuna fisherman and surfer was saying that the most dangerous days to surf out there are small, long period days. Mm. Like when it's super calm and there's the odd little nugget or, or swell line, they're the, they're the days to, to sit it out. Mad, eh? There's just so many crew who have their own experiences and, and sort of, you know, folklore slash knowledge. Mm. Um but yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense the 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 storm thing because like a lot of Australian attacks tend to happen in summer, and you know that's always hot mornings and storms in the Arvos, and kind of makes sense. But geez, man, it's just so fucked when you hear about it. And uh, yeah, I just yeah, lots of love to everyone down there. It's fucking awful. And just finally, uh, you know, interesting to note the aftermath of shark attacks too. Uh, you know, this as told by Mick, that fucking good fanning. Mm. Was talking about uh, the afterglow of his incident, and uh, he said it still took me about a year or so to get through my PTSD. Even still, I'm very wary of what's in the ocean. People splash behind me, I freak out. My mates mm. do it to me all the time. Well, some mates, but yeah, like, uh, mate, it doesn't end with the attack or even bearing witness to no. an attack. It's uh, there's a long tail to these things that. It's just worth acknowledging if you're in the area and you did see it go down or we're in the water. Uh, and 
I mean, they've had an it's the the second really famous attack down that way mm. in almost identical uh, circumstances. I think it was a uh, young bloke, Je- Jevin was his name down there. One of the slabs, uh, you know, again was was eaten. I think he was 16 or 17 mm. and e- eaten entirely and they never found him and uh, they actually relied on the, the coroner's report um, to prove that he was dead. And I've read that coroner's report, man. And... Uh, Oh man, it's bad, mm. bad shit. You know, it's I don't know what details. Whether it's there's any value to talking about what I read in that report, but uh, yeah, you know, like seeing someone in the jaws of a fucking giant beast is so skits. And that was actually on the backside of a fatality at, at Cactus. So, um, you know, the point being, there was some like two thirds of the surfing population. Legend has it quit after those two incidents because. They were so full on. So, yeah, you know, these are noted shark zones. Where we live, South Oz and J-Bay and West Oz, I mean, fuck, dude. It's just, you got to pay attention. Uh, not that not that there was anything Simon could have done about it. He did the best he could he in that best, situation. Yeah. And credit to him and his family. And, yeah, best of luck to everyone out there. Number one. Maps to Nowhere have worn a skits travel series visiting the most misto corners of the globe with a team of pro surfers uncovering never-before-seen waves. Uh, oh, it's a tried-and-true formula, but for some reason we steer away from it every now and again, don't we, Smithy? We get lost in the hoopla of gimmickry. Nice yeah. to just get good surfers in good waves and just see what happens. It's an interesting one because it's quite the paradox, isn't it? Uh, for, of course, by documenting these missions, they are almost certainly killing the goose that laid the golden egg. Exactly, air. yep. And uh, it's a common complaint from pro surfers. Oh, like, fuck, it's busy. Or, like, you know, constantly whinging about crowds <laughs> at these world-class waves that they've just absolutely turned to camera fodder mm-hmm. for the last 10 or 20 years. So it's an interesting one. But they've done it well, this series. Holy shit. They, you know, they've... Why I like it is because they've gone to that extra effort to really conceal landmarks and mm. names. And, and, like, that's instructive for the current generation of blowout merchants yep. geotagging the fuck out of spots <laughs> on Instagram. This yep. is how you do it. And uh, it's all the brainchild of golden uh, cone piece award winner, Matt Rhodes, Surf Journal. And uh, I think the first one, episode one, they ventured off somewhere in Polynesia. I'm guessing, uh, or Micronesia with Ian Crane, mm. Brett Barley, and a, a, a Grom from the north side of Sydney. I forget his name. Uh, Natural Footer, O'Neill-sponsored young bloke. He gets... He fucking had a shocker. Oh, oh man. He, uh, I think, tried an air rev on a howling offshore dry section and just nearly decapitated himself oh. on day one, and it was a bit of a struggle from that point on. Uh, he injured himself. But uh, episode two, some misto beach break in Africa or the Caribbean with Brett Barley mm. putting on an absolute clinic. And then uh, episode three, which is uh, the one they're up to at the moment. I think that episode four is going to drop any second, but this was the one. Mm. Filthy Polynesian slab with Solly Bailey just dominating. Oh. I mean, holy shit. He's good in hollow waves. Mm. One of the best on the planet, without a doubt. And, uh, you know... Former Vulcan Pipe Pro champion yes. proved as much. Yep, uh, and just that he, that was two years in a row where he just packed, packed, rinsed, rinsed, platinum shiny corn. 
man, he's just knifing the biggest eight-foot slabs and pumping through the most sky-blue Mondo cones mm. with, you know, a pretty skits end section, like a, a, a gurgling double-up kind of every now and then one will just fucking not let you out and mm. run onto the, the end bit. But, man, the style and the aplume, the uh, nonchalance mm-hmm. with which he's just standing tall in stand tall after stand tall. <laughs> I was standing tall, Vaughn. Yep. I was at... Full mast, mm-hmm. just going. Solly, I salute you. Waving the little meat pie flag in full steam. That's it. Sea cock mist <laughs> filling up the atmosphere. It was How a get clinic. So good and so comfortable in such heaving, thick, fucking chunky ass orbs. You know what it is? Living up here on the north coast, cow's paradise. It is a cow's paradise, mm. but at the same time, you also get to surf. Every version of tube, and yeah. it's super technical. Like there's days where the beaches are fully like slabs, and uh, you know you, you're dealing with also the most unpredictable, heaving, potentially injurious waves. Mm. And so you, I feel like you, your skill level, your muscle memory, your, your reflexes just get honed to this almost superhuman point. And then when you take it uh, to a, a long period reef pass where there's a, a bit more time and space, like these guys just let their skill set breathe. Yeah. And you see it with so many crew, uh, you know, uh, Torrin Martin, Solly, Garrett Parks, uh, you know, Wilsey, I guess, although I, I don't have great memories of, of him packing huge pits, but I'm sure he did. Mm. Um, trying to think of uh, Kieran Perro, oh, obviously. Yeah. Pretty much goatish in the realm of mm. Mondo yeah, Slab Yeah, right there, Smithy, because, I mean, if you surf, like, and, and this... I'm not even joking when I say this, but the, if you surf the wreck on a, you know, a big swell with uh, the wrong tide, you are dead set operating in milli fractions of seconds to get it right. And if you get it wrong, that is some compact sand and some thick, thick slabs. You know what I mean? Uh, and you can come undone pretty easily. But that, that whole section of beach there from uh, along Main right down through down to sort of elements is what they call it these days, but... But, man, there's a lot of heavy water down there on those big cyclone swells or east, east coast lows. And they're, yeah. they're thick and they're hard and they're groomed and they come in fast, man. And so uh, you're right. Your reflexes and, and your tube nous, to get one that fucking runs and to have the ability to, to run with it, it, it's pretty fucking – you've got to be up there. Oh, that's isn't right. that surprising that you, you – I think – was it KP – or Willsey, actually, I'm going to try and find this and whack it on our gram. Someone posted one of the boys getting a full-blown exactly what I'm just talking about on the last Cyclone Swell uh, at Maney. I'm going to chuck it up for you. Because it, it does it does sort of showcase exactly what you were just talking about. And a, a couple of doffs of the cap to uh, Annie DeSantos, uh, a Brazilian woman via the north side of Sydney. Mm. Uh, I think she's been living there for quite a while now. Just gaffed up and packing it backside of this slab. It's fucking harrowing shit. Mm. And she end up, she ends up getting a, a nuts one, a pretty nuts one mm. on the last day. And, uh, you know, just steep, deep, knifes it backside and just gets a, a solid high line right through the, the meat of the bowl, the cupped out meat of the bowl, staring at a fucking gurgling end section and actually breaks down in tears afterwards oh, like it was so intense and uh man as she's paddling into this thing you're worried for her because at the very start of the clip she gets flexed mm. on a very similar wave but man the courage of the chick it was uh you know not conditions i would be at home at uh in, at home in 
And uh, a, a Doffley cap also to, to love a doff. the two-time gold cone piece award winner. Oh, sorry. I think he's only got one. Or maybe he's got ten. But Matt Rode, who gets a fucking bomb. The journo. The gerno. Oh, every now and again, we get our little cup of milk, don't we? Our little saucer of milk left at the back door for the fucking poor old surf rider who's put the whole fucking shit together. And they just get down on their hands and knees and just lap it up, mate. Oh, he was How often does it happen for you, Smitty? Jeez, he uh, he got absolutely punished in this one. It was a, a full eight footer though. He fucking Superman foam ball body surfed over it, but a huge send. Uh, Ian Crane too, um, you know, doing his best out there. Did not look fun backside, which all the more just frames how good Solly is out there. He's making it look like the Lopez cakewalk. Wow, five stars, maybe. Yeah, five cone pieces for sure. Nate Florence's mind melting slab tour continues, Vaughn. It never ends. I love it. Can't get enough of Nate Floss. Holy shit. He got the game over glitch cone at the Uh, big. Is Nathan and Mace just tag teaming at this point? Is is it just like Nate's going, okay, I'm going to take care of this rock surfing for a bit. You just take a chill. See you in six months and then we'll tag. I'll tag you back in. Because it's the Mace and Nate show, right? Yeah. Everyone's favorite service to watch. Absolutely. A slightly different taste in uh, slabs, I believe, Mason. He's, he's more into the kind of bone-dry, gurgling, finicky... Uh, Fingers of reef just oh. ready to shred you to a billion pieces. And, yeah. and Nate's more into the uh, pulverising, heavy bag style of just one false move and, and you're in the ring with Tyson. You're getting, you're getting your fucking head knocked off your shoulders. The, the 8 to 12 foot plus mm. range uh, and... This time, it takes him to a big Irish right bomby, and, mate, this thing is up there. Uh, you know, just the most insane knifing, and the way he already oh, has yeah. the awareness to, to put a little more into the knife, right off the get-go, mm. it's almost like a, a naturally high line off the drop. Mm. Um, and it proves so critical, because he ends up making it over the foam ball by just centimetres. And uh, it's just an insane read. The water angle of this clip is so tapped. Mm. Uh, he gets so high and just punches through the, the top section of the foam ball, keeping his 7-0 in the face somehow. Uh, and the way he comes flying out, just tracking the edge of the foam ball, it's, it's so iconic. Uh, his brother, John John, reshared it on his Instagram, just saying, this is wild. That's, like, that's the, the ultimate compliment because of all the waves that Nath's ridden, that's the one John John repos. Mm. I mean, that's that's a reluctant post if you ask me. As an older brother myself, it's hard to give the little bro cred. You want to be supportive, but every now and again they just do something and you're like, fuck, that's good. It's superhero shit. I mean, he, he's riding a 7-0 in 10 to 12 foot howling offshore waves mm. in 5 mil of rubber and just manhandling it, man. Like, surfing it like it's a beach break, you know? that That's the kind of, just that super steep, deep knifing way behind it, pulling up high and into it to get above the foam ball. That, like, that's mm. beach break shit. That's mm. like what you do when you're fucking around. You know, it's like a, a, a hit and hope kind of scenario. And it's also the kind of surfing that you do when you are 100% backing yourself and where you're at with your, your surfing. Like, you, you don't typically sort of make calls like that in that fraction of a second at the very start of a ride unless you are absolutely gunning it and you know, you know in your soul. Like, we touched on it last episode, actually, Smithy. You know when you, you, you might get one wave in a surf where that happens for you? 
But it just seems like Nate Florence right now is every single time he paddles out, he's just so fucking tuned in, it's crazy. Yeah, he wants it so bad, and there's just so much belief. And mm. without those two factors, he's not getting that, that centimetre in front no. of the phone ball. If there's any lack of self-belief, if he doesn't fully want it with every cell in his body, he does not get into no. the position and that's, that he gets that's into. that's been going on for, what, nearly a year? When was the last time he was in Ireland and he got that big left? It was this, it was a similar situation. Like it is a very similar. Exactly. And it's somehow just his board managing to jockey around on the phone, like mm. as deep as you can get in the most critical kinds of conditions. Yeah. Uh, man, he's put on a clinic. He, he's all alone at the top of the slab chasing game at the rocky pinnacle. He's just <laughs> jamming his Hawaiian flag in the top. He's basically the, the 14 peaks guy. Yeah. Of slabs, the Pied Piper of piping pipes. Yeah. Just playing his wood flute and river dancing his way around the planet, leading the pack of Core Lord Conefiend Hellman degenerates on a merry old cone fest. Well played to your son. Well played, Nate. Uh, he goes susses on his YouTube channel and he actually provided this incredibly philosophical breakdown of the wave, uh, which we're going to hear from now, but go cop it on the YouTube anyway, because it is uh, worth seeing and hearing as he breaks down the ride with footage of it. It's it, it's all magic. But I just feel like because maybe I put myself in the uh, position or just to be there and the, um, available for or during in the session and just there just in case, I feel like I've in the last few years and ridden some multiple of the ways of my life. And, and I do believe you could have a left of your life and a right of your life. And I feel like what I got in this session was probably the right of my life. As far as surfing a barrel frontside and the size and the intensity of the session and being in gear I'm not used to and the booties and the gloves and the wetsuit. Um, on a 7.0, I've never ridden but was turned and just out to be one of the best boards ever. Um, and all those years ago when I rode that wave, that, that wave at Chopes, um, when I was a, kind of a Grom, I just felt like, you know, you're never gonna have that feeling again. And I hadn't all the way up until now. And I, and I still think the Chopes wave is the, number one for me but this wave that i rode in this session this wave was it's right up there and there's a certain feeling you get when you kick out and it's just overwhelming um feeling of like gratitude kind of and like um, appreciation and just you just, uh, just disbelief at how you got so lucky is to be living the life you're living there at that very moment that that wave came through and you were in the spot and you happened to be everything, every little piece of timing, every microsecond, you made the right decision on the wave to be as deep as you possibly could and still make it. And that's how I felt this wave I rode in this session was. I felt so late, I felt so under the lip, and the board, the fins, everything just caught when I cranked on my pump, and all I saw was just a big, huge barrel, like a slab happening, but the foam ball just blew up in front of me, 
and I was like, oh my God, like this is, I'm gonna get bucked. But because the barrel was so big, it's so interesting with bigger barrels is you almost have more time to, uh, or you have more space to maneuver, right? A small barrel, there's no room for mistakes. Um, and a bigger barrel, you have a little more room. Not that I made a mistake on this, but you just have more room when things get crazy in the barrel. And that foam exploded up in front of me and closed the exit off of me. And I just thought, I gotta get high up, high up and try to get up and over it because if I can do that and I can get up and over it, that's where it's gonna be least violent away from the exploding. Where the lip is landing, that's where it always bucks you off because it's so violent. Um, and that's what I tried to do. And it just hit me super hard and my legs compressed up and it threw me very up and I scrunched down and put my hand on the wall and kind of pushed off and came over it and then got on my toe side. And I was like, just hold the toe side. And I just rode this huge foam ball, uh, this, the biggest foam ball I've ridden in a barrel down into the main slab part. And then I just, once I came off, I think I just knew I was making it. I just became, I, just, I almost put my hands up into a claim and then I didn't. And I was like, I just had to throw my head back. I was just like, this is, that was the, that was one of the most intense visions and feelings that I've ever had in a wave. And I kicked out and I looked at Joao Tudela, the guy who was filling water, and he looked at me and, and we both looked at each other and, and I was just, I just sat, I just went underwater and came up and sat on my board. He was like, that was crazy. And I was like, I, was like, I think that was the wave of my life. And I just felt like almost like borderline emotional because and I'm not an emotional guy, but I just felt like almost overcome with it because it was just so the intensity of the area and the huge cliffs and it's a scary wave. And then it was just the way it all happened. And I was just like, so appreciative that I got to be there and share that moment and be in that wave and make it. And then, I don't know, I feel like it, those are just so rare to come by those moments where everything is on the knife's edge and you somehow make the right decision in that perfect moment and the right reflex kicks in and then the wave bucks back and you go back and it's back and forth in your head of those milliseconds. Am I gonna make it or am I gonna fall? Am I not? No way I'm making it. And then, oh, I'm making it. And you come out. And so, uh, just really hard to put into words. Um, I don't feel like I properly covered, but maybe I gave you an inkling of what that can feel like in a moment like that. Huge over there, Smithy. That's as over as it gets. Not over the falls. Just over any preconceived notion of what was possible on these mighty slabs in Northern Europe. Over. The best. Then you are able in three rounds to change your chemistry full on. Good luck. Vaughn, are three-foot mechanical tubes the new oil? Uh, mm. That's what Stabber claiming in a scintillating expose on the goat pool opening a franchise in the Middle East. Mm. Uh, this is what uh, the author had to say. As the inhabitants of an increasingly warm planet attempt to shift away from petroleum, the largest suppliers of it are investing 
in new industries. Mm. In a recent newsletter, NYU Stern business professor Scott Galloway wrote, for the past century, the Gulf states have run on oil and still do. State-owned oil giant Saudi Aramco is now more valuable than the next 10 largest energy companies combined. And last year it booked $161 billion in profits, likely the largest net income figure ever recorded. Good for them. There's a catch for one. Uh, Not so good for them, it would appear, because the well is running dry. Regardless of the cadence of the move to renewables, the battery running the Gulf EV goes dead sometime this century. So uh, it looks as though the Emiratis, the sheiks, uh, they're all looking to pivot towards new industries. Mm -hmm. And it's shaping up as though that new industry may well be the Kelly Slater Wave Co. experience. Uh, Now, Stab revealed, while the location of the pool remains uncertain, a few of the early whispers suggested Dubai. Mm. There's also a $646 million water park getting built in Saudi Arabia with a wave pool and plans to host surf competitions. So uh, it's looking as though three-foot tiny pits Mm. is going to somehow fill that uh, $161 billion void left in Saudi Arabia. Where's the money coming from? Haven't we kind of... Uh, like, Where's the, the financial blueprint to filling this gap? What, 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 well, I assume it's... I mean, no compute. I assume it's some kind of import tax will be the justification. Mm. So uh, I think it's just an, old, an old-fashioned... Uh, Fleece, isn't it? It's mm. just like, yeah, I'll, I'll build you a uh, Kelly Slater Waveco pool here, mm. um, but it's going to cost you uh, around about half a bill for a wave <laughs> each, and the Saudis will be like, mm, what, what really? I'm spewing about, Smithy, is that this wasn't done in the late 80s, early 90s, so we could have seen those hedonistic years on tour heading over to Dubai and the, uh, the Arab Emirates. Uh, and just cut loose in the land where, you know, if you get busted with a beer, you can cop a fucking huge public filleting with a huge piece of bamboo. Oh, yeah. And, and don't be a, a woman caught driving a car. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. So, yeah, yeah, yeah how uh, well, yep. Oh, we're heading into dangerous territory here. How's the woke brigade going to go with this whole uh, selling off of WSL assets to, uh, uh, you know, a, a region of the earth that's famous for putting their heel on the neck of any sort of, well, not even progression of uh, women's rights, but out and out subjugation of it. Oh, straight up subjugation. Yeah, it's concerning, Vaughn. I mean... Uh, like, are women going to be allowed to surf in these pools? Has well, that been asked? Well, that's right. Exactly. It's a great point. I'm, I'm glad you raised it. And, I mean, you know, first we uh, export a hundred and... What was it? Uh, 200 and something billion dollars worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia mm. to be used on the women and children and men of Yemen. Yeah. And now we're... You Sending know, over wave pool technology that... Yeah. Uh, like, Fifty percent of the population can't even access. Are we calling? Uh, is is the Kelly Slater Wave? Are they? Are we entering some kind of a surfing industrial complex age where, uh, you know, where there's, you know, on the one hand they're virtue signalling their woke values, and then on the other, just 
uh, you know, a bit of backsheesh mm. under the table and just supplying the Saudis with uh, endlessly spinning mechanical tubes. Is that the world we want to be living in? I mean, these are the ones that murdered Jamal Khashoggi in the Turkish embassy, cut his fucking head off, his yep. feet off, his pinkies off, his foreskin, the, the works. Mm. Chopped him up like chopped liver, and here we are giving him our best wave tech. It's a disgrace! <laughs> Does John John Flowers have Kelly Slater's foreskin in his knee? Does Gabby shave the bits of skin that none of us can see? If you drag your filthy corn home down to the face of the old man pipe, will sparks fly from a lack of comet across the lonely night? Are the wise judges crazy? Have they fucking lost the brief? Would shame her and take Prophets will apply So scoff your shrews And ask us a question We will speak no lies Ask us a question We'll tell you no lies Ask us a question We'll tell you no lies From Disco Stew, and I actually love this question. Why is everything heavy in surfing always from the West? West Bowls, West Peaks, West Side, bruh. Why do we never talk about deadly thick East Bowls of mortal conquests? How good is that question? That is a real. I mean, you're from the Eastern Suburbs, surely, surely you could say you you can create some sort of argument for the East Coast for the East Side being heavy. In some way, shape, or form. Oh yeah, plenty of heavy characters. If you want to, uh, you know, roll the dice on a suburban rugby league ground or a uh, pub past the hour of ten p.m. But uh, in terms of like natural forces that will rip your fucking head off and shit down well, your throat, yeah, we're a bit light on. We are. We got the ECL, the East Coast low. I mean, it, it doesn't have the same sort of gravitas as uh, West Bowl or West Peak. Mm. Does it? East Not Coast really. Low. I mean, it kind of sounds like a weird a bit of depression, like someone sitting in a corner crying into their muesli. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think. I'm, I'm summoning all of my cosmic know-how. Uh, you know, I'm, as you can see, Vaughn pressing hard on the pineal gland for mm. some kind of discharge that will illuminate this topic. But I'm coming up dry. <sighs> maybe, maybe it is just a coward's paradise. The East Coast. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Uh, what about Florida and Jersey and, and, and East Coast? I mean, hang on, wait. Yeah, they're all totally cowards' paradises, for, and I see a pattern emerging here. Was the East Coast of Russia, where Letty and Guy and uh, Spenny and all that just filmed? Kamchatka. Kamchatka. Um, possibly. There might be the one uh, exception to this rule of... East being the preserve of piss week dog cunts the world over. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'll, yeah, maybe we're all just moving to Kamchatka to, to get a few hairs on our chest, Vaughn. Pretty piss week, if you ask me. Here's a question from uh, Nat Griffo. 
He says, is Kelly Slater clone, is Kelly Slater cloning foreskins for everyone's knees or just for John John's knees? Uh, we haven't touched on this for a while. Nah. I mean, it is in the it's the opening line of uh, our Ask Us a Question theme song. Mm. What, what's the latest on the stem cell research into Kelly Slater's foreskin? Is there enough to go around? Uh, is it like the, the OG? Because I believe that penicillin, the OG Petri dish, the very first culture they, they made penicillin from is still the very same stuff that goes all across the world today. Yeah, and it's a similar... It's a sacred, sacred Petri dish. Mm. Yeah, and I've, it's a similar situation. I went and vis- visited that sacred Petri dish in Tijuana recently and can reveal <laughs> to the Swellians that there is a factory line of Kelly Slater foreskins growing uh, oh. artificially. Uh, just south of the border there. Where Are they growing on, like, the back of small mice or guinea pigs? Or, you know how they, like, if they want to grow an ear, they'll, they'll yeah. surgically attach it to a living creature so that it, it gets the blood flow and it, it's more likely to uh, assimilate to the rest of your body when they transfer it over? There was a bit of that, but they were just using um, impoverished Mexican orphans. So oh. I, I saw a lot of foreskin where, heads. Where is the foreskin actually going? Is it just sort of on a bit of... Rando skin on your back or your Oh, no, it's the whole head. Oh, wow. Yeah, just ne- neck above was just a, a, a big old <laughs> anteater. <laughs> oh, Mate, you don't oh, want to know. <laughs> you, you think Kelly Slater's dealings with the uh, Saudi Arabian oil empire are suspect? Wait till you, you go and have a peek at his uh, stem cell foreskin growing oh, plant. Did, one thing I wanted to know from you, Smithy, you know how like they say, uh, oh, you would have seen those old sci-fi movies or horror films where you're like, if you get uh, a heart trans- transplant or whatever, sometimes you can take on elements of the personality of the person that mm. you got it from. Mm. Do you think that John John's inability to win a comp this year has come from Kelly Slater's foreskin being in his knee? Has he has he taken on elements of the goats' early season form, for example? I think it's undeniably a yes, Fawn. I mean, we see it time and time again. Uh, people dipping into mystical potions, Amazonian brews, you know, consulting tarot card readers, witches, and whatnot, and and you know, offering uh, their soul in exchange for material wealth, success. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, making promises. Uh, at the expense of everything they hold dear just for a sweet, sweet taste of that victory nectar. Mm. And I think this is just another classic example of that where we've seen uh, a surfer make a pledge. You know, it, it was experimental. We all knew it was. Mm. We all knew the risks involved with get, mm. getting Kelly Slater's foreskin implanted as your uh, anterior cruciate ligament. Yeah. But, uh, you know, these are experimental, so we don't necessarily have the, the total overview of the potential consequences. And mm. John John's paying dearly. And, uh, look, I mean, apparently it's not the only way that he's paying with a poor season of, of uh, or a poor By start to the season. By his standards, yeah. Yeah, there's potentially a bit of molting going on up top too. It's a steep price to pay. Actually- Whoa, He's wow. been waking up I'm going to get on a Bemrose because if anyone knows it's Matt Bemrose, he is the fucking peregrine falcon of bald spotting. Yes, exactly. And uh, there's a bit of... Crown uh, spotting? What, what would you call it? Uh, Devon spotting. Devon spotting. Devon sniffing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, on, on the plus side for John, with each hair follicle that's left on the pillow, he is selling them uh, 
for huge amounts of money on the black market in China where they're being used as a, a fertility potion mm. um, right up there. I, I actually believe it, it may have even overtaken panda testicles and, mm. uh, you know, oh, I never thought up. about the, uh, the eastern medicine applications of, of foreskin. Yeah, well, well, that would be the place where this sort of tech, this this sort of thinking would have originated for sure. Well, all great, all great thinking. Yeah, they're not idiots over there, no. uh, and you know they have clearly seen that the link between Kelly Slater's foreskin in John John's knee, and now he's molting, and they're just like, well, this is like a, a double hit of mm. cosmic core lord gravitas or mm. cellular discharge, call yes. it what you will, but it's mm. it's got some cunts properly revved up over there. Mm. Well, I can't wait till you get back from India with the uh, the update from those uh, those little, you know, bric-a-brac tents with the tarpaulin roof and just petri dishes as far as the eye can see. In oh yeah, Indian oh, yeah. slums. That's right. Yeah, I'm uh, going to India for a uh, spiritual pilgrimage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the motion in the ocean wants to know. Call Lord Ep on Blakey Johnston. Good news. Good news, Mosh. It's coming, mate. It's recorded. We did a night down there in Cronulla with the great Techno Viking. Get ready because it's coming your way probably in the next week, I'd say. Yeah, coming down the chute. Get back on protection, you mate. Ooh, here's a good one. This is from Get Down Rosie. Swelly it, surely. I have known of a few bikies called Rosie in my time. Yeah, there, I've there known a, of... There was, a, there was a massive big bloke in the Rebels called Rosie. Right. And... Uh, he had probably the best hydro setup I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. Well played. Get down, Rosie. Could be he, could be him, but uh, probably not. Do you think the Wazzle should have a minor premiership like the NRL so that the guy or girl who comes first place at the end of a normal season gets the JJ Giltman Shield before the finals? Uh, sorry, all that uh, contest jargon went straight over my head. Yeah. So basically, uh, with the new system... Uh, whoever's leading at the end of the, the year, all they get right now is the number one seed into the WSL finals. Right. So get down, Rosie wants to know, should we have a trophy, a ceremony uh, in rugby league, you get the JJ Giltland shield. Okay, you, yes. You, that, you know that big shield they used to carry around on grand yeah, final day? the giant silver dish that they used to, uh, you know, chop up lines of cocaine right. after they, the They the carry that around. Well, yeah. should the... Was have some sort of uh, award or recognition of, of the people who actually win the year before you go to the finals. Could be a nice touch, maybe. I'm yeah, backing it. Yeah, I, I think there's uh, no harm in, in offering some kind of, uh, you know, brass or lead-based paperweight. Uh, I mean, we've got to be realistic within the WSL's budget. Uh, oh, Dave Proden's uh, hole punch. Ah, yeah, hole yeah. punch would work. Yeah, I mean, something Yeah, something functional would be good. Jesse Miley Dyer's stapler. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, ELO's uh, Mouse. You know, Qu- Quilly pen, uh, the, the one he uses to, to sign all these checks that are bouncing. You know. Yeah, or, or even just a secondhand mouse from third draw. You know, went back when you... Just something, some something. sort of token to let the people know who finished the year on top, whether it's uh, Joao Shianka, Molly Picklum... Tyler Wright or uh, Jack-Jack Robinson, surely they deserve just a little trinket. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe it's got to be something that a surfer will actually use, uh, particularly uh, an elite-level surfer. Maybe a a rear-view mirror so they can see who's inside them, something like that. Oh, what about a ladder? That's that's what it is. That's what it is. Hope you get the lot, you dog. Mr. Clean Tone, Smivy, and it's, it's a really nice one to end on, I think. 
and I, I think you're well placed to comment on this. Is there a correlation between the lack of Japanese surfers on the tour and the prevalence of corn rinsing toilets in Japan? Oh, you reckon they're bringing some soggy corn to the party? Is there no incentive for the Japanese to seek out cones of mortal conequence for a deep cleansing? Ooh, well, Mate, I mean, this it would is s- a great question. It would seem to fly in the face of what we've seen in recent years with, uh, you know, Kato Matsuoka's iconic mm. pipe bomb and uh, uh, those two Japanese groms, a couple of 16-year-olds. Don't forget, these guys spend a lot of time in Hawaii, mate, and, mm. and there's not always that little digital arm comes out with a little laser sighting, spots the detritus, and just annihilates it with pinpoint accuracy. Mm. Destroy it, destroy yeah, it, destroy it. leaving it yeah. with a gleaming corn. We've all sat on those Japanese toilets. I know the experience well, and... It's a good point. Uh, yeah, maybe like just the the sheer buildup of uh, detritus once they get away from their traditional uh, mm. Japanese bidet, and and, and uh, you know they, they're left in the islands, mm. bruh, where such technology does not exist yet, and nah. they, they're just all lost at sea. They, they don't know how to wipe. They're, they're just walking around with dags, and just freaking just the. Uh, Spam puree dripping down the inside of their thighs, and they're just going, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna rinse me corn. You don't, see many, you don't see many Japanese people at the Great Full Moon Perineum bleaching on the cliffs above the Seven Mile Miracle. Never seen one. Never ever. seen one. You know why? It's just a fucking mess down there, Stevie. <laughs> it's a mess and until the first pipe. Set of the season rolls in, and they can get out there, Kaido and the boys, and just rinse it out, gurney style. Then I'm afraid this is uh, this is the great problem facing Japanese surfing. Yeah, and it needs to be addressed, and I think it needs to be a, a, a royal commission into it. Yeah, and and people often talk about uh, you know Tayuka Wakita's flaming gaff and mm. the origins of the Wakita Bowl, but I can reveal to you that in fact he made the cultural transgression of showing up at the uh, you know the swell beckoning perineum bleaching yep. that happens before every Hawaiian That's season. Right. And he showed up with that sloppy <laughs> Japanese corn and they just threw him straight off the cliff. And he's never taken that helmet off since. Mm. Mm. That's really why he wears that helmet, Vaughn, and that's why his corn is among the most sparkling Pristine. you'll ever see. He'll spend an entire day mm. in the lineup uh, just... You know, he might not even catch a wave. Maybe one. But it's just so he can soak that corn. See, that's why he's the master. He's the master. He's the sensei. The following has not been monetized, capitalized, or bastardized. Allow me to explain how we all came to find ourselves in this moment. One day during a peaceful dream of meditation, I was psychically transported to the shores of the Great Tennessee. As I sat and watched the eons barrel and then recede back into infinity's void, who materialized but none other than the two-time gold cone case award-winning surf journalist Smippy. He rocked up with the blazing third iron and introduced himself. 
Explaining that by random chance, he had psychonautically transported it via the tendril offshoot of a mycelial conduit. We pondered our situation. It was determined that, no, such an occurrence could not be chance. Encountering one another at the edge of the void meant that the old gods had a request. Opponent must be ready to honor the battlers who have embraced existence. We must revere and celebrate the conscious sensation of life's hardships and joys. So it would be done. An epic poet had to be scribed at the behest of the universe, the universe which was us, experiencing itself through us, through all of us, through everything. We sat, Smithy, the universe, and I, basking in the glow of the cosmic spiral in silent awe as a billion year swell rippled across the cosmos and rolled into shore. Then our dream time tethers detached and we mortals returned to our earthly realm. It is unlikely that Smithy remembers these events. Amnesia sometimes occurs when the gates of interdimensional travel are unlocked by infugenic keys. That summarizes how and why I came to write the following poem. I hope the gods surfing the vortices of intergalactic epochs enjoy the offering. The goblins were awakened. I'm a hero and I'm a fucking rapper. Druid Core Lord. Every night we paddlers scratching through oblivion. Murano charging. Elephant gun. Mammoth hunter of adrenaline. Had a crack. Shoveled him. And laid back. Rinsed corn. Tossed out. Sprayed by his psycho hat. That's a spot you wish you were session. Are you fucking kidding me? Let me teach you a lesson. They've already locked up, locked it and popped it, dropped it, licked the pit, tasted the dish and shot it. Burn dry, deep inside, spat out people lid. Hollow down on the gnarly rocks, leaving lines melted and spines shivering. Eviscerating razor reefs, hideously wrapped on their pink leaf. Always the first battle to rush it. Get the lip trusted, then pull out, toes curled, quivering and brush in, crawling for the surface, gasping, half in, degenerate code theme to pick hellion, help it over the ledge, up the fucking swellions. That seems a little aggressive. Take it spiral in a sphere of mortal cooking cone quince. This vortex shaman sent at a chippies before all your new age hippies. Took the past less traveled and discovered the way key. Burned the ride. A swally charging crystals by moonlight. Cut all the nooses strangling Vishnu's heads. Anquished the deluminous extractionists' callous hearts to hell using compassionate incantations of the cowl and up on spell. Reclaimed the biosphere with the slam of the staff.
is spiritual warfare that you have been dealing with. This is not a fight that you have been dealing with flesh and blood, but this is a fight against principalities and evildoers and unclean spirits. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? 